Good morning. This morning's scripture comes from 2 Corinthians 5, verses 16 through 21. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do, know, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making an appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's the word of the Lord for us. When you're eating at a restaurant or maybe uh, shopping in a retail situation and you have an issue, what do you do? You ask for the manager. You're like, I throw it at them. No, I hope you don't do that. You ask for the manager, right? It's, it's not that there's not an employee who's trying to uh, deal with it. It's that they're not doing a very good job. <laughs> it's that they're not very well reflecting the values of that particular establishment. Let me speak to the manager. Like, you clearly missed orientation. <laughs> you clearly missed the customer's always right training. You clearly uh, missed all of... Uh, the correct way, the courteous way to help solve problems. So let me speak to the manager. And the reality there is that some people really just are not a very good representative of their particular organization or enterprise or cause. Like the physician who smokes cigarettes. You go... You can't tell me about my own health when I see that in your life. Or the financial planner who declares bankruptcy. These are inconsistencies. These are, these are examples of people who very poorly represent their enterprise, their field. Now, the Bible says, and we just heard this from the scripture reading a moment ago, that we, you and I, followers of Jesus, are Christ's ambassadors. We are Christ's ambassadors. That means that we are supposed to reflect him, represent him. So I did spend some time this week studying about ambassadors and just gaining a better understanding of who they are and what they do and how they function. This is an official position. In fact, it's sort of a prestigious position to be selected as an ambassador. And you are essentially a stand-in for a particular leader or for a particular government or nation. And so the ambassador goes into the foreign nation as a representative of their own nation. So they are living on foreign soil. They are, it's imperative that the ambassador fully understands and exegetes the people and the culture, the problems, the way these people think and function and act. They, they, they are to understand their customs but not to adopt them for themselves. And there are just so many cool parallels as we are challenged with this idea of, am I an ambassador for Christ? Like, we live in the world. And it really is important that we understand people 
and problems, and we understand the customs and the culture in which we find ourselves, but we are not to be like them. You know, an ambassador would do a really poor job if all of a sudden he declared that he is now a resident or a citizen of that particular country. No, no, no. You're supposed to represent us. You're not supposed to lose your cultural identity. You're supposed to represent us in that place. So furthermore, as we try to understand this, this, this call to be an ambassador for Christ, uh, contextually speaking, in our world, an ambassador is a representative who it's really important that, that that person convey the message. It's really important that the ambassador has the right talking points and the right foundational values and issues, the, the message, just like we have the gospel message. We, we are to take God's message to the world. We're not supposed to change the message. We're not supposed to add to it. We're not supposed to sort of tweak it and make it our own. We have the message, and then our task is to sort of clearly and humbly communicate that message, the message of the gospel. And when we do that, we reflect Christ. And that is just what we're going to talk about today. So let me introduce myself. I'm John, and I am thrilled to have you with us today. And I'm praying that through our time together, your heart and home grow stronger in the Lord. As Jeremy mentioned, we are uh, finalizing this current sermon series. This is week four of a sermon series that we have called Cancelled. We have learned the importance of compassion and the importance of accountability and the importance of confession. Now, for this morning, we are talking about this really amazing, extraordinary role that God has given us. Right where he has placed us, to be his ambassadors to a lost and dying world. So there's a great challenge before us today, that in all we do, in all we say, the way we think, the way we act, the way we treat one another, maybe even particularly when we have sinned and when we have failed and when we have fallen short, we are called to reflect Christ. So for this morning's study, we are going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you have your Bible, I would encourage you to open it and turn there. John read those verses for us just a few moments ago. And in verse 20, it says very clearly, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So again, We are to be ambassadors. An ambassador is a representative of their nation while they're in a foreign country. You also just think of a poor ambassador. Or maybe you do think of it in terms of the the retail store or the restaurant when you ask for the manager. Like You don't understand how this establishment is supposed to work. You, You are clearly an employee who doesn't fully embody or embrace the values of this place. So a poor ambassador can bring shame upon their nation if they poorly reflect their home country. They can create distrust. Worst case scenario, they create a war. They start a war. And the reason I say that is like, it's just so important as believers, as followers of Jesus, it's so important how we live our lives and what people see when they look at us. And listen, People are watching you. People are watching how you live. And we are to shine brightly. 
for Christ. That others might see and believe. And so what Paul says we have is this ministry of reconciliation. Reconciled to God. We demonstrate that in our own lives. That that we who were once enemies of God are now drawn near. And then we promote that in others as well. That you too can be reconciled to God through Christ. So let's not be afraid of being canceled. Let's not become so ashamed and so afraid and so timid that the world might cancel us. Instead, let's boldly and courageously live for the Lord. Let's be faithful in representing him and reflecting him. Let's allow our lives to reflect Jesus. So how are you doing with that? Like, before we go any farther, I'm compelled to ask myself this question, and I would pose it to you as well. What do people see when they look at your life? What are you projecting? What are you reflecting? How would people describe you? It's a great challenge. Mary Kelly is an American actor. She went viral recently. Maybe you've seen her mouth impersonations. Check this out. Sure, you've heard of method acting, but have you heard of mouth acting? Let me show you what I mean. Oh, I've no idea. Wow. Wow. Oh, please, Dad. You've got to be kidding. <gasps> You're a Spider-Man? I'm not Josie Grossy anymore. But I saw her for what she really was. A freak. What you on about? I really cared about you. Magical creatures. Uh, I, I, I seem to have lost one. <laughs> oh, um, no, Mr. Schneebly. I'd rather us talk in the principal's office. Do you really want to know, Mom? <laughs> Big mistake. Big. Huge. I watched an interview with this, uh, with this gal. And she was asked, like, how do you do that? Like, how, how are you able to say words and, and form your mouth in such a way that it actually resembles these celebrities? And she's like, I watch interviews with them. I watch them in informal settings, not just their movies. And then I study their mannerisms. I mean, to, very fine-tuned mannerisms. And then she listens as well, so that's part of her part of her task is I, I want to hear the sounds they're making. I'm watching what they're doing, and then I just set to mimicking that, and I I work it over and over and over and over, practicing so that I look like them, so that I sound like them. She becomes a reflection of what she's watching, and it just struck me this week. I, I think her her impersonations are hilarious, but it just struck me this week that it's like that's how we ought to be. That, that just like people can watch that individual and go, oh my goodness, she looked just like Drew Barrymore or, or all the other impersonations she does. That people should look at my life and go, oh man, what an uncanny resemblance to Jesus. <laughs> that, that people should, should see Christ in us. Like, like I see Jesus in you, that attitude, that action. And so here's what I want to do with the rest of our time together. We're studying 
this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21. And what I want to share here is three ways that we can reflect Christ. Paul, Paul teaches us in these verses. In fact, I'll tell them to you right now and then we'll walk through them together. Three ways that we should reflect Christ. And the first is with our eyes. The second is with our hearts. And the third is with our hands. So let's go to the beginning of the passage in chapter, in chapter 5, verse 16. We're in 2 Corinthians. Paul says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. If we want to reflect Christ, then we've got to stop looking at people the way the world does. We've got to stop seeing people through this human, earthly, worldly sort of lens. Now, the world makes it very clear, like uh, a definition of success, for example. The world makes it very clear. If you're educated, if you're wealthy, then you're successful, right? Then you're respectable. Or, or maybe you, you have that uh, position. You've got the title. You've got the accolades. But if you look at the life and the ministry and the teaching of Jesus, boy, he just has a lot to say about people that are poor, people that are downtrodden. <laughs> And how they're blessed. And how they're part of his kingdom. And so we reflect Christ, first and foremost, with our eyes. And this is viewing life through the lens of eternity. Not viewing people the way the world does. But viewing them as God sees them. That, that we are kingdom-minded. And so we, as Paul puts it here, we no longer regard anyone from a worldly point of view. No, but from a heavenly one. So when someone disagrees with us, the world says, that's your enemy. The world says, discard them, have nothing to do with them, and tear them down. Not so with us. We don't respond in kind. You can treat me poorly, you can treat me badly, but I'm going to continue to love you, serve you, bless you, pray for you. See, that's this sort of massive shift in our perspective. That it's not a worldly perspective, it's a kingdom perspective. In fact, part of the reason that I'm able to do that is because I remember life before Christ. I remember what my life was like before I experienced the grace of God and the salvation only that comes through him and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. In fact, Paul says something about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He says, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. He says, not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world. To shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. And so we realize that the way the world thinks, if I've accomplished it, if I've done it, if I've succeeded, why? Because I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, I'm strong enough, and the glory goes to me. But in the kingdom, it's the exact opposite. It's I can't take any credit. This is only a work of God in my life. Now, if we look closely at verse 16, we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we notice that not only do we view people differently, 
but we view Christ differently. How does the world view Jesus? Hmm, well, look, let, let's think about him. He was basically a poor vagabond. He didn't belong to any sort of ruling elite. There was a mob that turned on him. He didn't even seem to defend himself. He was powerless against them. So then he was mocked. He was beaten. He was whipped. He was afflicted. All without defending himself. And then finally, he suffered the ultimate in shame and punishment, which is crucifixion. That he hung on the cross, the object of scorn and derision. So the world looks at Jesus and goes, was he successful? No. Obviously, according to the world's standard, he was not. It looked like his mission had failed. He died. He was poor. He was alone. He was suffering. He was a criminal. But is that how God sees it? Of course not. Of course not. Jesus fulfilled the mission. Jesus was successful. He, he, he lived out the law perfectly. He accomplished the most important mission of all time. He reconciled humanity back to God through his shed blood. He has provided a way for each and every one of us, sins forgiven, redeemed. And so God helps us to have this shift in perspective, that we see Christ for who he truly is, that he is the perfect lamb of God, that he's the king of kings. That he is the one who lovingly gave himself for us. And honestly, as we talk about reflecting Christ with our eyes, meaning we have a changed perspective. We don't view people the same way. We don't view Christ the same way. The only way that we're able to do that is if our eyes are fixed on Jesus. So Nathaniel Hawthorne published a short story called The Great Stone Face. It's a story about a king. And he loved his country and led his country so well that when he died, his people determined not to have another king until they found a man that looked exactly like him. So here's what they do. They carved a profile of the king's face on a great cliff just so they wouldn't forget what he looked like. And so then for years, the people begin to comb the country, search the nation, and they're looking for the man that looks like their former king. But no one fit the profile. Until one day, there's a search party, and they stop to rest. And they stop for a quick snack, and they're at a humble cottage at the base of the great stone face. And there they see him. A young man who looks exactly like the face of their king, who looks exactly like the face that is carved on the great stone cliff, which is right above the young man's cottage. You see, this young man, day in and day out, looked at the face while he plowed his fields, while he chopped his wood, while he did his chores, and eventually he came to look just like it. <laughs> this is a great short, short story from Hawthorne. I, I think it's fantastic. Like, like, I think it's so true of us that as we look at Christ, as we keep our eyes fixed on him, the more we look like him, the more we resemble him. And so if you want to be all that God has called you to be, to grow in Christ's likeness, to be a reflection of him to the world, you keep your eyes on Jesus. So we reflect Christ with our eyes. The second way we reflect him is with our hearts. Now this happens 
when we embrace the life that only Christ can offer us, when we allow him to transform us, when we allow his work in our lives. I want to just make this really clear, that when you follow Jesus, when you become a Christian, when you get saved, you don't become a better person. You don't become a better version of yourself. You die. So, so let's move away from the idea that, that your life is pretty good, but it's not totally good. And if you just add a little bit of Jesus in, then your life's going to be fantastic. Like, Jesus really makes me a better man. No. That's not how it works. That, that's not what the scriptures teach us. That's not the gospel message. Here's the gospel message. You die. Your sinful nature your, your fleshliness, your, your baggage, your issues. Like the scriptures say, all of that must be put to death. And then what happens is a new person is rebirthed. This is kind of what Jesus explains to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, by the way. <laughs> that, that there is a, a new birth, a new creation, a new person comes to life. And so Paul teaches us this here in verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. He says, the old is gone, like never to be seen again, gone. The new is here. That's the truth about reflecting Christ with our hearts, that he has done a work in us, not making us a better person, not just helping us along the journey. No, no, no. I have died to self. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. But the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself for me. It's going to be Valentine's Day in two weeks. The most important question, of course, uh, around the holiday is, what am I going to get for my special someone? <laughs> Guys, if you're like me, uh, you don't even need to hit a home run, honestly. It's not like this is going to be one for the ages. This has got to be the perfect. You just want to avoid getting a bad gift. You, you just want to avoid sending the wrong message. Do any of you struggle with what to buy or give your loved one on Valentine's Day? And you wrestle internally with like, is this really even that big of a holiday? Do we really? <laughs> uh, so I'm the world's worst gift giver and have learned the hard way that every gift sends a message. Every gift sends a message. So again, it's not that I want to hit a home run. It's just I really don't want to mess this up, and I really don't want to send the wrong message. Like um, when you give a gift card, it sends the message of I really don't know you well enough to choose something personal, so here's a gift card. Either that or I was just too lazy to buy something, so I saw this in the line at Walmart. <laughs> um, a gym membership says, you know, I really think you should lose some weight. A self-help book says, I think you have some problems that you really need to address and work out. Or even a cookbook. <laughs> Sorry, I think I'm doing some public self-therapy here. Uh, <laughs> but like, what kind of message does a cookbook send? Sometimes it's the wrong message. Like, you know, you really need some new recipes. You really need to improve your cooking skills. So here's what I find, and here's why I mention all of this. Here's what I find myself doing. It's like, I just want something that reflects my heart. Like, it's Valentine's Day, 
Now, I have no problems with that. I just want to use that as an opportunity to tell my wife, Rachel, I love you. I value you. I appreciate you. I'm thankful for Valentine's Day because it's yet another opportunity to know, for you to know just how much I care about you. So I think it's really the same way for us to reflect Christ to the world. Does he alone have your heart and your affection? When people look at your life, do they, do they sense, do they recognize, do they know this person is sold out for Jesus? Like we sang this morning, like, all I want is you. I don't care what it costs me. I don't care where I have to go. Lord, all I want is you. We reflect Christ with our heart. Okay, there's a final way that I want to talk about reflecting Christ. We've talked about with our eyes, with our heart. The third way is with your hands. Now, here's what I mean by this. This is very simple. Serving others. We get involved in the lives of others. We show this sort of true and genuine and sacrificial, what the Bible would call agape love, unconditional love. Where again, it's not dependent upon, well, you did this for me, so I'm going to repay it. It's not a reciprocal thing. It's an undeserving thing. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to bless you regardless. But I've been mean to you. But I've attacked you. Still going to serve you. Still going to bless you. But you're not going to get anything out of this. I don't want anything out of it. See, that, that's the kind of serving others that reflects Christ. We reflect Christ with our hands. And, and when we work to bring about reconciliation. And again, this is when someone doesn't deserve it. Okay, so the, this comes from verses 18 and 19. We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. Now, I do want to be clear. You can't save anybody. God doesn't put us on earth to say, all right, little saviors, go and rescue people that are lost. Go give hope to those that are hopeless. No, no, no. We don't do any of that. Again, we're ambassadors. The true power, the true message, the true authority lies with God. And we are merely to reflect him. So only Christ can save. We can point others to him. And that's what we're called to do. And I would say one of the best ways to do that is to humbly bless and serve others. To reflect him with our hands by serving. Like how Jesus washed dirty feet. And like how Jesus in Matthew chapter 20 says, whoever wants to be great in his kingdom must become a servant of all. And so, friends, we pour ourselves out on behalf of others. We pour ourselves out physically, emotionally, financially, to the point of exhaustion. Why? Because we want to bless others. It's not about what I can get, because I have all I need in Christ. He, he has poured into me, my cup over, overfloweth. 
And so we pour ourselves out on behalf of others. We care for the least of these. We lay down our lives for someone else. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. He's not asking us to do anything that he himself hasn't done. He taught it to us. He demonstrated it for us. Greater love has no one than this, Jesus says, to lay down your life for someone else. And so I would suggest to each and every one of us today, when Jesus is in charge of your life, when it's not just lip service, when it's not just, well, I grew up in the church or I go to Sunday school or I call myself a Christian or my parents had faith, when it's Jesus is actually in charge of your life, he's the one making the decisions and running the show, this is what happens. You serve. You pour yourself out. You extend yourself time and time and time again. Why? On behalf of others. And this is the beauty of the message today, that that in God's amazing plan, with us as willing vessels, with us as Christ's ambassadors, he uses us to encourage and inspire and bless and help others. And what do you think happens when the world sees it? What do you think the impact is when the world sees men and women living like Jesus? Not in self-preservation mode, not being selfish, but being poured out on behalf of others. There's a clue in the teaching of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, how the world responds. It's in verse 16, and here's what Jesus says. He says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. The unbelieving world responds by praising God and recognizing the greatness of God when you and I serve one another and serve the undeserving. So let me just ask the really difficult question. And and part of this is hearkening back to the, the video we watched a few moments ago. Based on actual Google search results, why are Christians so? And then you type the first letter in, A, B, C. Why is it that when the world looks at the church, they see arrogance? Have we not read and heard from 1 Corinthians 1, like, We can't boast. We haven't done this. This is a work of God. So why is it that when the world looks at the church, they see people filled with pride, people puffed up on what I've done and what I'm able to accomplish? Why is it that they see fighting and bickering in the church, quarreling, complaining? Don't we have all we need in Christ? If I'm the unbelieving world and I see that, I go, well, Jesus must really not be satisfying all of their needs because, like, they can't even enjoy life. Jesus must not be the Prince of Peace because they can't even get along. Why is it that when the world looks at the church, they see people that are hateful, that are judgmental? And I'll go back to a thing I said a few weeks ago. Why would we expect anything different from pagans? Don't hold the unbelieving world to the standards of a Christ follower. You you love them for who they are. They don't know Jesus. So why is it that when the world looks at the church, they see people that are selfish? 
Why is it that when the world looks at the church, they see people who aren't willing to forgive? That's not the heart of Christ. So when you hold a grudge, when you refuse to say, I forgive you, I know you messed up, I know you've hurt me. You don't understand the damage that you're doing to our kingdom cause. And you don't understand the gospel. Because you and I are sinners. And I'm so thankful for God's mercy. And I am so thankful that he has forgiven me. And so when someone wrongs me, I know it's hard. I know it's not easy. And I don't respond by saying, it's okay. I respond by saying, that really stung. And yeah, you treated me badly. And you you have hurt me. And yet I forgive you. And God forgives you. So when the world looks at us, what do they see? I pray they see Christ. I pray that they see people who are willing to serve, even those who don't deserve it. I pray they are willing to see people who are forgiving one another and who are living in peace with one another and who are just devoted to a perspective and a worldview that's entirely different from the rest of the world. Did you know that the moon doesn't produce any light? You know, you go out on a dark night and there's pretty bright moonlight. If you see the moon shining in the night sky, it's just sunlight bouncing off of it. It it has no properties of luminescence on its own. It is just the sun hitting the moon and then bouncing off of it and reflecting it. That's what moonlight is. (laughs) That's great. I mean, that's us, guys. That, That we would just allow Christ to shine on us and then reflect off of us to everyone else. And it means spending time with the Lord. You know, I want to challenge you right here, right now. Are you in the word of God? Do you take time each and every day to seek the face of God in prayer, to to study his word, commit to it right here, right now? Every day, I'm going to get before God. I'm going to fall before him, thanking him for his mercy, and I'm going to read his words. You're changing every day. You're being shaped. You're being transformed. The question is, what's influencing you? What's shaping you? What's impacting you? What's pouring into you? And I pray that it would be the word of God. So 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. You are an ambassador for Christ. It is he that the world should see when they look at your life. Your words should sound like his words. Your attitude should reflect his attitude. I mean, in all areas of life, your work, your relationships, the way you spend your time, the way you spend your money, your habits, they should all look like Jesus. So are you living for him? I know for some of us, we, we find ourselves in this vicious cycle of, ah, I really need to be a better Christian. 
And there's part of me today that just wants to ward against that. I don't want anyone leaving here today carrying this weight or thought of, yeah, I really need to be a better Christian. No. Don't fall into that vicious cycle of like, well, I'm just going to try harder and I'm just going to rely on myself. And yet, man, I've fallen short again and I'm beating myself up again. And then I feel like a fraud and I feel like it's just impossible. Good. I hope that is where you are. I hope that, that, that you've hit rock bottom there. That you've reached the end of yourself. Maybe you've finally realized today you're not good enough. Maybe you've finally realized today that all the Lord is asking of you is to fall completely and entirely before his throne of grace. It's in that place that you'll reflect Christ. In that place of humility and brokenness. It's in that place that God will shine through you more brightly than ever before. Our prayer team is going to be available here in just a moment. If you want to come and receive prayer, anything that's on your heart and mind, we would love to minister to you and go before you to God's throne of grace. Come and pray this morning when we conclude. Do you want to grow in your relationship with God? Do you want the world to see Christ when they look at your life? Do you want to be a good ambassador and reflect him? Then allow him to work in you and through you. Don't just try harder. Don't just keep relying on yourself. Throw yourself before God's throne of mercy. Grateful that he has forgiven you. He has redeemed you. He has reconciled you through his son, Jesus. You give him control of your life. You seek him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. That's when you reflect Christ. That's when you will shine brightly in this dark world, for we are his ambassadors. And he has given us this ministry of reconciliation. And it only comes through his son, Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for the great call to be your ambassadors. We confess that we've fallen short. And again, in this place, Lord, we are thankful for another opportunity and another day to come before you. That you would have mercy on us. So, Lord, we look to you today. You are the one who heals us. You are the one who saves us. You are the one who helps us. You'll never leave us. You'll never abandon us. You are always with us and you care for us. And time and time and time again, you forgive, you restore, you redeem. And so, God, in that great work, we pray you would transform the way we view the world and others. We pray that you would transform our entire lives, not making us better people, but Lord, that we would die to self and be born again through Christ. And that the life that people see lived out would be one of servant, humility, pouring ourselves out on behalf of others, even people that we don't think deserve it, oh God, because that's exactly what you've done for us. So Lord, we thank you. 
We pray that you would do this work in us and through us only for your glory, only for your kingdom's sake, for you are worthy. We thank you, Lord. We bless you. And we do so in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ.